Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Christoph Trapp. Is that correct? Did I pronounce it correctly, your last name? You got it. First try. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Yeah, you bet. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, it's all my honor, my pleasure. I love meeting people and this is the best way to do it. it, it I mean, it really is, especially today, you know, yeah. with this... I don't know. We're going in the eighth year of COVID, it seems. And, uh, how much, I mean, seriously, how, how, how about, you know, at least you can still connect with people. You still, you know, the borders doesn't make any difference, right? You're in Canada. I'm in the U S we might not as well. Might not even know. Right. I mean, it makes no difference. Yeah. Let's connect. Let's chat. Let's have fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and this virtual world, I, I, I absolutely love it because I could be meeting someone in Australia and then next day I'm meeting someone in the States and, you know, and all over the world, Japan is just, uh, uh, it's just incredible. And then getting some news from everywhere as well. So you're staying up to date, not the actual news um, in, in, the, in the media, but, you know, through people. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Christoph, I, we usually like to allow our guests to introduce themselves in their own words, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Christoph Trapp, content marketer, um, by training, I guess, or by day and night sometimes. Uh, but I do content strategy at VoxPubMe. VoxPubMe is a, a market research software platform where you know people can do video surveys. And again, a brand can get um, feedback from people that aren't even near them, right? So you don't have to have a focus group. But I focus on how do we, um, how do how do we tell better stories? How do we get content out there? How do we um, use new channels? You know, I mean, that's one thing. Podcasting. I mean, I'm a big, big podcasting fan. Definitely on the brand wagon. Um, and now I, I live stream all of my podcasts and, you know, it's um, who knows what's going to happen next, um, but it's a great way to connect. It's a great way to get content. And uh, that's kind of what I do in my, um, my day to day. How do we tell better stories without being yeah. so we're the best. I'm the best. I'm the best guest you have ever had mm. on the show. Right. Yeah. Nobody believe, nobody believes that crap. You got to tell a story. You got to be mm. real. You got to be authentic. So when we talk about storytelling, so are, is there like a, is there a formula to storytelling? Like there's a lot of uh, gurus right around storytelling, right? They, they, they talk about a format to follow, um, yeah. you know, step by step, right? For you being an expert on the content side, right? Like, what do you, what do you recommend? Is there a format or, or, or like create a life map and then go by that? Well, so there, there are formulas, but I'm the first person to admit that best practices are there to be broken when it makes sense, you know, but if mm -hmm, you follow mm -hmm. like the Donald Miller model, JJ Peterson, I mean, they're, they're not wrong. They're, they're correct. You know, you want to, um, why does the customer care? Why does your audience care? Mm -hmm, um, yes. I don't, I hate the term saying, make it, make them the hero. I, I don't know why you, but I personally don't run around and say, this microphone manufacturer, I hope they, I hope they can make me today's hero. Like, I don't say that. I say, I need a new no. microphone. I'll buy a new yeah. microphone. Right? I know so what I you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think the hero term is a little overplayed sometimes by people out there, but the point that they're making is 
you have to make it about the consumer. Why do they care? What's in it for them? You know, how does it make things easier for them? And, and so there is some of that um, tension that you do want to have in content. You know, you, I don't want to say you want to rile people up so they see the problem, but they do have to see the problem. If they don't see the problem, why are they going to read your content if it's not engaging? Um, now, it's a fine line because if, you, if you're just, you know, telling people this is the problem and I'm the only person that can help you solve it, um, at some point, that's not very authentic either, right? So, um, but there's many, many different formulas. Sometimes it's just informational. You know, I write all kinds of articles. They don't rile you up at all. They barely mention a problem. They, they just say, here's this new thing. Here's how you get reviews on podcasts. Now you can get reviews on Spotify. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Now, remember, when people search for things, and they find the article, they do have a problem, right? But I'm not making a big deal about it in my article, but they do have a problem. Otherwise they wouldn't be reading it. So basically, would you say it's fair that when you're, you know, storytelling, just be you and, you know, because there's so many different formats out there. Like, what do you pick? <laughs> like everybody has a suggestion, right? Everybody has an idea about storytelling. Yeah. So do you think that it just comes down to the basics and just tell it as, as you feel like you want to tell it? Um, yes and no. I think that's okay. maybe a little too optimistic. Too much. Um, because, okay. Because let's be honest. I mean, some people are jerks, right? We don't want them to be themselves. <laughs> Don't tell your story in that jerky way. I don't so really, true. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't be you. Like, yeah, be yeah. don't be you. you. Please don't be. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from that perspective, you know. Um, so not the authentic. Authentic you doesn't doesn't work with that, right? Is that that? No, nobody's gonna. The reason care, why I'm laughing, so. you're bringing, you're actually bringing people in my mind, like you know, the mind's eye. Like I'm getting people pop up. Sorry, go ahead. You actually have people. <laughs> yeah, you can, just pop up can, the, the ones that you don't, don't be you, please. <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing is, too, we have been taught for so long not to be ourselves, right? So I'll give you an example. Yeah. You and I just come on here. We're just chit-chatting, right? But could I have done this, like, in, in my early stages in my career, right? Probably not because everybody is taught to be a certain way. This is how you behave. This is what you do. So you want to kind of figure out what do you stand for? What's your story? What can you talk about? Right. What's your area of expertise? And, and um, that takes a little bit of training or not training, but a little bit of getting used to. Uh, and I think, you know, just being out there, just being public, just sharing your story can certainly help. Now here's the other thing. Just because you're being yourself doesn't mean anybody cares, right? Like if I'm being myself, like who cares? But, but there's things about me that people care about. I'll give you an example. I didn't need to put any on, but, you know, I got this right by my uh, desk here. Um, makeup. You know, I wrote about makeup for man on live streams. There is plenty of guys that will read that article. Whether they'll, they, whether they'll admit it or not. It's very unique. But, yeah. It's a very, very unique. It's a niche. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a very, very specific piece of content. So my point is, 
like, yes, sometimes I put up makeup. Now I got the light set up in a way that they're not really as shining on my fore on my, my bald head anymore, but I do put it on. Right. So my point is there's people who care about that, but they don't care that I put on makeup. What they care about is what they can learn from it. So you always want to figure out a way, how do you tilt it back to be about the audience and not just about you telling your own story. So basically, you know, like, you know how they say, tell your hero's journey, right? Your own hero's journey. So while you're telling it, you integrate the audience into that story. Is that fair? That's basically it. But you want to like, why do people care about that story? Yeah, why? I, okay. I put on makeup and let me show you how I do it. So if you are yes. live streams, if you're in meetings all day long, here are my tips. You can use them. So yes, I'm talking about my own story, but I also put a slant on it. Why you might care about it. And if you, if you're never in meetings with video on, you would care. You could care less, <laughs> you know, yes. but if you're in meetings yeah. all day, if you go on live streams, then you might care. So I'm trying to make sure I make it clear who could care about that story. Mm. Relevance, right? Like if somebody comes across right. it and it's just, Oh, I got to read this. You know what I mean? Especially a topic like that is unique. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And when storytelling, you know, sometimes some entrepreneurs or self-employed professionals, you know, they have a story that they go by. Um, but, you know, obviously not everyone has a, a lot, lot of story to tell maybe they have a few things that they they experience and they want to integrate that into their story into their message for the audience um any tips on that like is there what i usually say is that just keep using the so different formats of that story like different relations like move switch it around but you know you can keep the base of the story to say but you can just switch it around anything that you can suggest on that So when I grew up in marketing, it was about repetition. The more I say this one thing, the more people will hear it. It's not necessarily incorrect because there is a a level of repetition. I repeat myself all the time, right? When I'm talking about something new, I got to say it a gazillion times before people even understand it or hear it. So that's not incorrect. But the way I think of it is don't just say the same crap over and over because at some point people... We'll just tune you out. Or, or maybe you're not using the correct term. I'll give you an example. I hate the term. I know you used it. Other people use it. But I hate it. The hero's journey. I did and it on I purpose. I, because you know I, I did hate it, it, right? Yes. Because, <laughs> trying to get because me you going. mentioned it earlier, too, about the hero yeah. part, right? So... So you're trying to get me going. That's okay. I'm still calm. Let's see. Check yeah. my, my yeah, Apple it Watch did, It didn't work, but it worked out. It, it took a little bit, so it's okay. No, no, no. Hard, hard pressure did go up just a little bit, but we're still <laughs> okay, in, in, a, in a healthy, um, healthy good. level. So, good, good, but, good. My, but so, so let's say I don't like the term. It's not resonating with me. You have to find other terms to get me to understand it. It's not mm-hmm. the consumer who has to say, oh, I have to figure out what they mean. How does it apply to me? Nobody does that. You have to do that, right? Use different terminologies. So the way I think of it is you have a baseline for your stories, and then you have related topics that go around it, and you have related yes. topics. And you, yes. you can go out a long, long way, and sometimes you're way off, you know, way off the reservation, I guess, for lack of a better term. But um, keep telling 
all those stories all the time, everywhere. Don't just keep saying the same thing. And the other thing, the other reason why this is important, not everybody is always in the same um, stage of the marketing funnel, right? I just, I don't know where I even saw this, but I just saw this today or somewhere. 5%, which I think is actually high, but 5% of software buyers are ready to buy. So 95% of people are listening to you. They're not even ready to buy. They might be at some point, you know, who knows when, but they're in your market, right? So you can't just keep having the same message for the 95% that you have for the 5%. I thought that number was 3%, honestly, but either way, 3%, 5%, you know, it's, it's pretty low. It's around right? the same. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not every, it's not everybody. So you have to have different stories that you tell people, you know? So if I'm talking about, I mean, if, you know, let's talk about an example. I mean, if somebody wants to buy the Vox, if somebody wants to buy a subscription to the Vox PopMe platform and they're ready to go, they understand how to reach people everywhere, you know, and they're like, you don't need to tell them any stories. You just show them how to do it. And then they sign up. Right. I, sorry, salespeople. I know I'm oversimplifying, but if they're not ready to buy, you know, but they're interested in related topics, like you have to kind of sprinkle them in front of them, right? You have to talk about different things about what does market research might look like in five years? What's the latest technology? How do you pick technology? What the heck is foresight? Do you know what I mean? Indirect like all those different value. things, right? You're just helping them learn. You're helping them understand. And then at some point when they're ready to buy, they might buy. So you have to, you have to have different stories for different people. Now the trick of course is you got to figure out who you're talking to. And that's sometimes, I don't know if you ever had these experiences, but I've literally had salespeople call me and ask me three questions. And then they say, well, you're not our target buyer. And I'm like, yes, I mean, I get it. Not today, but did you know I'm starting at a much bigger company tomorrow? I'm not, but you know what I'm saying? I'm starting at a much bigger company who is totally in your audience. How do you know? They don't know. Right. So you can't just shut the door. You have to tell different stories to different people um, at the right time. And I know that's super oversimplifying things, but it's a reality we're in. Yeah. And then is it the, for like, for example, email marketing, are you, are you involved with email email marketing as well? Yeah, I'm a big fan of email marketing. Um, I've got, I've gotten really good at um, cleaning out the clutter from my email, but um, you know, I think email is a fantastic way to get in front of people. My top tip and I, I top of my head without looking up, I don't remember her name now, but I had an email marketing expert on the business storytelling podcast, which is my show. And she says, here's how you write good email marketing copy. And I totally agree. Not, not for me necessarily, but in general, she goes, write your email and then cut the first, the, the top third, just delete it. And now you're good to go. <laughs> and I agree because, you know, when you read emails, you get emails and they go, hello, Christoph. I hope you're doing well, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, get to the point. Like I'm looking at this on my phone. I'm not even looking at this full screen. And if it says, I hope you're doing well, I'm not even going to open it. Right. So, so my point is email is a fantastic way to get in front of people. Storytelling needs to be to the point. You need to make sure people understand what you want from them. Um, especially if they don't know your name, right. If, especially if your name isn't being recognized as much as it could be. 
Mm-hmm. So you recommend like the email should be shorter, not, not long. Well, I mean, I definitely think emails should be short. Um, there's sometimes I got an email, I don't know when, but a while back, maybe it was a LinkedIn message actually, uh, but I've gotten them both places. I'm sure just goes on and on and on. I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Like, do they want me to read this? So I'm invested and the next email is selling me something. Well, I'm not invested at all because I'm skimming your email, buddy. And I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's another thing people have to remember. It's really hard for me to admit as a writer, but people skim content. So you have to create content, especially the written word for the people who read it, which is the minority and the people that skim it. So you might as well get used to it. But if you send me a long email with no paragraph breaks, I'm not going to read it. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I understand. And if, if, if somebody registers, for example, for an event of some sort, like actually had a high intent, they went in, they subscribed to something. Do you feel like that email could be long because now they, they are a lot, very much invested. Like they're interested to know more. Like, what do you think in that, in that scenario? So not to give you the typical, it depends answer, but it depends on what the webinar is, right? So if, if the, if the event is about, let's say I'm going to share with you my top predictions for 2022. I don't know why anybody would go to that webinar, but in theory, I, that is not a high intent sign up to purchase. That's a high intent for wanting informational value, right? Or, or, or wanting to know what's going on. Now, if I do a webinar and say, Hey, let me show you my studio setup. I'll walk you through it. I'll show you my lights and this and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you know, the, the outlets and all that, that might be a high intent sign up for wanting to purchase stuff for your studio. So if I had to sell that maybe, right. So I think it depends but at the end of the day, it depends on what it's about, but it also depends on um, like length of content is not an indication of it being better. It's also not an indication of it being worse. It's just, it depends on what is currently going on. So for example, on the web, I know Google will tell you that length of content doesn't matter, but the reality is quite frankly, that longer content, even if you're not a good writer, has a chance to be more detailed, right? Because the more you write, you will have more details. I mean, it's like, unless you're just writing baloney. So longer content matters there, but in an email, I don't know. I mean, if, you, if you're going to send somebody something where they need to know a lot of stuff, maybe it could be longer, but I have, I don't think I've seen very many just long emails. Yeah. It just depends. It depends on the situation. Yeah. Like I, the reason I'm asking, like for me, as a consumer, if I put myself in the, in the shoes of a consumer, for example, when I sign up for something, um, I like getting a longer email just so I, because I'm really interested to know more as much as I can know before I go to the event, whatever they can give me, I want it because I'm excited for the event. I've signed up for it. But when it's ongoing email, nurturing emails, and I find them long, I'll be very honest. Like I, I just look at the top at the end and I'm out. Like I don't, I don't read it. So those are the differences I feel. It, so it's interesting too. I went to a New York Rangers game in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago and they sent me a pretty long email and I read it because it was like, 
you have to bring your COVID pass and you have to do this and this and this. So super relevant, right? Um, but what's interesting about nurture emails, I thought the, not that there's always a magic number, but I thought the magic number is like 60 to 90 words, something like that. So that's not super long. You know what I mean? Like to be around 60 to 90, maybe 120, I don't remember, but it's not, it doesn't go on forever and ever. Right. And it's more important what you put in there than being long, but that long email from the Buffalo, the key, it's like the key bank arena. I read it cause I had to, otherwise I may not have been able to get in. <laughs> Yes, of course. It's relevant. It's, it's necessary to read it. So those kind of emails will pass and they will read it. You know, um, another question I wanted to ask you about email marketing is avoiding the, the promotional tab in Gmail and spam. Any kind of recommendations you could share from your experience, how to avoid those two? Well, I mean, you do have to follow just some of the simple best practices. Basic right? stuff, I yeah. Mean, anything next level if you have. Yeah. yeah. Next level. I, you know, I don't think, so first of all, that's why people make you sign up with their work email, right? Because um, they don't want to end up in your personal Gmail. Now, I do use Gmail at work. I don't even have a promotions tab. So maybe I just don't have it turned on. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to have people opt in. You have to have, you have to build your list, right? I think that's the key. I don't see, I don't see anybody in my spam if I signed up for it. The only people that end up in my spam are the people that buy my email from somebody and then they try sending me an email. I mean, I, you'd be shocked how many, I don't even know what my spam is, how many spam emails I get. LinkedIn marketing training for Vox Pop Me, content strategy training for Vox. In my, they're all in my spam. And you know what? They should be in my spam because why are these people emailing me? Like I'm not in the market for any content. No, no, for training, sure. You know, no, no, for so sure. I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's the trick. Yeah, I know for sure. Those, uh, they have to be, they're spam, right? I'm only referring to the, the ones that people sign up for. And, you know, they're usually a lot of people uh, suffer from this, you know, entrepreneurs that they actually go into uh, the promotion tab. So there's a lot of techniques. There's a lot of websites too. You could put the email through. It'll tell you if we're going to promotional tab, but I just thought maybe you had, you never know, right? It's a good question to ask. Maybe you can serve someone listening, right? You never know because it's stuff that people, um, you know, have to deal with in business. They do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your podcast is doing quite well. Um, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Top. What is it? 2%. So listen, so it, there's all kinds of lists out there, right? Uh, good pots. I think it was in the top 10 a little bit ago. Amazing. Um, listen notes says 2.5% um, of global podcasts. So I think there's like wow. 2.8 million podcasts that, Amazing. They, uh, that they ring. Love that. Um, and how do they do it? They look at external data, right? Where is it ranking? Blah, blah, blah. All those different things. Um, how they do it exactly. I don't know, but yeah, it's interesting because, um, there's some months where the live stream performs way better than the podcast, right? So it's just, it's an interesting evolution how, how um, podcasting has evolved. But I definitely enjoy it. You know, every week we are guests on there talking about different things. And the show is now 27 minutes. So because um, earlier this year, 
uh, DBNA television picked it up. So in December, it's running twice a day. January probably goes back to once a day, but that's on TV, right? So that's one reason why we do video, but it's 27 minutes because of the ads, right? So the 30 minute spot, they need three minutes for ads. So it's interesting. Um, the reason I bring that up is because previously I would say, oh, let's do like 20 to 50 minutes, whatever, you know, and you talk until you're done, but you might never be done right? You can just keep talking and talking. And sometimes you're like, well, I got to go to the next thing. 27 minutes has actually helped make it be super structured because I tell the guests, I say, we have 27 minutes. Like we got four questions, maybe five talk until you're done talking, but it flies like, and it's a real, it's a container, right? Like I think it has helped the show be more, um, focused or not just focused, but people are really, they're being very, very deliberate and about what they're going to say. So if they have two stories and they know they only got two minutes left, they're not going to tell me both stories, right? They just, they, oh, they try to pick the better one, which I think that doesn't hurt storytelling when you have to pick, you know? So, yeah. And this live streaming, uh, which platform do you use for live streaming? <clears throat> So what I do, so there's many, many different platforms out there that you can use depending on, on what your preference is. I use WeStream. And so basically it's very similar to how we look right now, right? We're just next to each other, except I may like make you full screen when you're talking myself. If I'm the host, I'm not usually making myself full screen ever. I have an intro. I have an outro. It all flies in, whatever. You can do other things. You can share a screen like you could do on Zoom. And then I stream it to LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, if they have a book, I also stream to Amazon Life. Amazon Life changed the rules a little bit. You, you have to have the product in hand, which, you know, I could just have it on my Kindle. I don't think I have to have the print copy. Um, but yeah, so we stream to all those channels and then the podcast goes out, you know, a little while later. So it's, you could even use StreamYard then, right? <laughs> Same thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. But the only know, thing is now yeah. we're, mm -hmm. I'm not going to uh, give an ad for Restream, but the one reason, and I think StreamYard does not have it yet, but the one reason why I prefer Restream is, so if you're my guest, I can send you a simulcast link and you can simulcast my show to your channels natively. So it goes automatically on your Twitter, your LinkedIn, wherever you want it to go. Um, and that's a really nice way to but like. That's where uh, you're, isn't that where you're streaming anyways, on your own pages? On my page, but then you can stream it on your page. So, um, oh, right. The guest so, page as well. I know. Right. So for that's example, incredible. when I had the head of communications from Flipboard on the show, she was simulcasting to the flip, my internet is not working here. Um, but she was simulcasting to the Flipboard page on uh -huh. um, LinkedIn, and Flipboard has sixteen thousand followers on LinkedIn. So you know it's immediate. It helped. I mean, it totally helps, right? Because then those people can comment, and we can put them up on the screen, and we can answer the questions, and so it's. Um, it's a fantastic thing that Restream, in my opinion, came up with. And um, I'd never even thought I needed it or never thought that that would be a thing, but it's super awesome in my opinion. Yeah, because I've always wanted to do live as well at the same time. 
Um, I just never got around to it yet uh, because live is just, just so much better. You know, you get so much more engagement and for restream, does it actually record? It just records that you could download it within restream. You just download the video and the content. So, um, yes. Um, I, I'm not sure what the correct plan is. Um, I don't think, I like the, I think the entry level plan, I don't think it downloads. I don't, I don't know. You'd have to oh, see. Just check it. Yeah, are. yeah, yeah. But you but, can, right? Uh, like, but you can. Yes. And yeah. so what's interesting about that, you can download the audio only or video. Perfect. And I used to download the audio for, for podcasts, but now Spotify has video podcasts. So my podcast is the video you can watch on Spotify. So I don't even download the audio. I just download the video file upload it to anchor anchor pushes the video file to Spotify audio file to everybody else. So it's like, I mean, it's super easy to do. I mean, it takes moments. Yeah, that's great. So we always like to ask um, our guests what their inner superpower is that got them to this point. <laughs> inner superpower. Um, I don't know. Persistence. Honestly, I think that's the biggest thing um, as content marketers that you have to go after is you have to keep going. You have to try different things. You have to keep publishing content that doesn't get published will never perform the end. I'm that is the hill I'm going to die on because it's not going to right. So when some of those people are running around and they're saying, Oh, it's not perfect. It's not whatever. Like who cares? Like don't make mistakes on purpose. Don't get me wrong, but nothing will ever be perfect. I mean, ever. So just let's go, let's try things. Let's see what works. Let's see what doesn't. And I think persistence is, uh, you know, if I have to pick a superpower, not a huge fan awesome. of that term, but uh, you know what I mean? You're not a fan of a lot of words, are you? No, I'm picky. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I just, you, you just made me think of my kids. Like the other day, my, my sister wanted to bring them something over and she said, what are they like? I go, please, you don't want to go there. I go, why? He goes, well, they're so picky. Like every single one of those three of them, they're every single one of them. So picky, like how much ketchup should be like what all that kind of stuff, like really picky. I go, I don't know how to communicate that to you to what to break. Just let me, let me just take care of it. But you know, <laughs> it just brought that, 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 that feeling of being picky, you know, luckily when it comes to food, I like everything. So <laughs> Yeah, me probably too. I don't know. I can't think of too many foods I wouldn't eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Well, you know what? I, I really am appreciative and uh, of your time to come on the show and give us your wisdom and share with the audience. Who knows? I might be doing live as well. And I'm going to do a shout out for you and let you know that, you know, Hopefully I remember by, <laughs> that you gave me the idea, but doing live is, 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 is going to help a lot. Oh, one more thing. Has it helped your show before when you were doing recorded and live growth wise? Well, so just numbers wise, right? You're reaching way more people already because you're live. So people in and, and every network, whether they admit it or not, everybody prefers native content, right? So LinkedIn does Facebook does whatever. And, so people already watched them before I ever published a podcast. There was actually shows on Amazon. I, I mean, I've had a show on Amazon alone, have 27,000 views. 
Um, do you know what I'm saying? So that was the life. That was the live version only. Yeah. And I hadn't even published the podcast and I sent it to the guests and I said, take a look, we had like 27,000 views. And, you know, so if nothing else, it's not going to hurt. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the bare minimum, but it should, it should help. Plus, I mean, if you have these big audiences and all those networks already anyways, why, you know, why not use them? Why not get in front of them? Yeah. Well, Christoph, thank you so much again for sharing all that you shared today with us on the show audience. If anyone wants to get in touch with him, he's a friendly guy. He just, just be careful of the terminology you use around him. But other than that, he is a, he's a wonderful man. He's available for you guys to get in touch with him. And all his information is in the bottom in the show notes. And again, thank you, uh, Christoph, uh, Christoph. And I hope that, you know, you see success in your show and your content writing. Hopefully I'll be seeing your name in some big, big publications and I wish all the best to you. You bet. Thanks so much. And uh, same to you as well.